At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Right, guys, we are back and ready to roll in another episode. Charity, are you excited or what? I am like so excited, Mark. I'm excited to have you back in the cave. I know, guys. I was gone, which was supposed to be for four days to Detroit, but it ended up being a week and a half. And we unfortunately didn't get a chance to get in and record a new episode, but we are back and ready to roll. I can't wait. I'm I so excited. I can't wait because I, I was still in the cave doing research, but we just couldn't record. Yeah. So thanks for sticking around with us. And I was hoping to run into somebody I knew in Detroit. I was rocking my case watch shirt everywhere as I went. I was looking for Eminem. Nobody got my jokes when I kept saying, where's Eminem at? I thought he was here. And they're all looking at me funny. So I I don't know. I was trying. Oh, Mark, that's funny. I'm sorry they didn't get your joke. That's not cool. I drove down eight mile. Did you really? I did. That's awesome. Pretty cool. I was looking for the uh, hardcore pawn, the people that are on TV with that pawn show. Oh, yes. Yeah, I didn't go there either. Oh. I wanted to, but we were busy, unfortunately. Oh. Well, if any of this sounds interesting to you guys, we update our social media on a regular basis. If you want to follow us on Instagram, I am at notmarkb. Charity is at charity underscore casewatch. The show is at casewatch podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, casewatchpod. All right. With all that out of the way, we got a little bit of an update here, guys. On the case that we had talked about a little while ago, Jasmine and Nicole Snyder, authorities in Lycoming County are beginning to learn about the potential motives regarding the death of the two young sisters whose remains were found buried in Hepburn Township recently. According to Penn Live, the girl's mother, Marie Sue Snyder, did not want to keep them and only wanted to keep her son. Disgusting. 
Can you imagine just the thought behind that line? That one line right there did not want to keep them and only wanted to keep her son. That is sickening to me. It is 1 million percent sickening because there are so many other options. There's so many people in this world who are trying to have a child their whole life and just have never been able to. And here's a mother who had two and just said, I don't want them. Yep. Uh, these girls, Jasmine and Nicole Snyder, were found buried behind a trailer home in Hepburn on November 8th. They were last seen in 2015. Nicole died in 2016 at six years old and Jasmine died in 2017 at four years old. And that's according to police chief Chris Kreiner. Wait a second. They died a year apart? Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. And it just kind of caught me off guard. Like, holy crap. Well, I guess we wouldn't have known that because when we first reported this story, I believe they had just discovered the bones and dug them up and arrested the women, but obviously hadn't done any autopsy or forensic on the bones yet. So I guess that's most likely how they found that out, right? I would assume so. This whole case is sad. Like I said, it's just, it's ridiculous. The girl's grandfather told Penn Live that Snyder offered to give the girls to her ex-husband if he gave up rights to their seven-year-old son who lived with Snyder in Echo and Michelle Butler, but is now in custody of Lycoming Children and Youth Services. Thank freaking God. Thank God, but I still don't understand. You only wanted to keep the son. You didn't, I mean, they're all your children. And if you saw there, it was almost like she was offering him up, you know, as bait. Like basically, hey, if you give up this one, I'll give you these ones. Which is disgusting. Yeah. Th you're not buying a car here. No. These are not trade-in items. They're lives, little lives. Snyder was charged last week with two counts of felony endangering the welfare of children in one count of obstruction. Echo Butler and her mother, Michelle Butler, were also charged in connection with the girl's death. Echo Butler lived with Snyder at Michelle Butler's home. Snyder and Echo Butler reportedly told authorities her daughters were at a friend's house, but were unable to say who the friends were or where the friends lived, other than saying it was out of state. Nicole and Jasmine's remains are being examined by a forensic anthropologist in Erie as authorities investigate their deaths. Interesting. Yeah, interesting to say the least. Like, these people are all scumbags. Like, this makes me angry. So let me just ask this question. So they're saying the bones are now being forensically examined. So Correct. did one of these women tell the police when, indeed, the children died? Yeah, see, I don't know because it says nobody had seen them since a date almost a year before they're saying they died. And then it was the full year in between each of the girls dying. Yeah, I don't think they're going to let out what's going on until maybe they're charged or once they get into court because it's obviously they know a lot more than they're releasing there. Yeah. And again, um, one of our listeners had sent us this case originally when they first discovered the bones. Yes, I remember so that. We really appreciate that. And we are definitely going to keep updates as they come in because this is disgusting and there needs to be some justice for these girls. I 100% agree, Charity. And now some justice that hopefully will be served soon. Kind of local to us, Hyannis, Massachusetts, a man wanted in connection to a shooting and killing of two people in Illinois last month was arrested on Cape Cod Thursday, according to Massachusetts State Police. Cal Curry, 33, was captured around 9.30 a.m. at the Hyannis home in the 400th block of Pitcher's Way. State police said Curry was wanted on two counts of murder stemming from a November 13, 2021 shooting inside a home in Riverside, Illinois. Um, Mark, I'm sorry to interrupt real quick. Okay. Um, and I in no way should be criticizing any words that anyone says, but I just wanted to remind you that one of our awesome crime creeps did tell us that Illinois has a silent S. Yes, I did see that message. I will try my best. Charity, you go ahead and add your R's and I'll continue adding my S's. At least mine have S's on the end of them where your R's are non-existent and you just add them on. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Inside a home in Riverside, Illinois. Better. 
The shooting left a 31-year-old woman and a 38-year-old man dead. State police said the arrest came after the U.S. Marshal Service uncovered information indicating Curry was likely hiding with relatives on Cape Cod. Guys, you're going to hide. Don't hide on Cape Cod. It's like 13 miles wide. It's tiny. And I wonder, I want to look into this more, hear about it more if the relatives knew. Yeah, see, I got to find that out too. U.S. Marshals and Barnstable Police arrived to take Curry into custody, but when authorities arrived, the homeowner refused to let them come inside. Police said they set up a perimeter outside the home and maintained contact with the homeowner. After about an hour, Curry came outside the home and was taken into custody. I would say that's an answer to your previous question. They obviously knew because they weren't letting him in. I agree. And how stupid are you? I hope they were arrested too. So now you can get in trouble because you're harboring a fugitive. Yes, yes. Come back. Like we always said, the douche apple charity does not fall far from the douche tree. No, it doesn't. And sometimes it just dangles on until it falls. <laughs> did you like that? I did. That was good. <laughs> Following through. Like, <laughs> you getting a mental picture. All right. Ready? And professional. Professional, Mark. Following the arrest, officers took Curry to the police department where he was booked as a fugitive from justice. In addition to the two murder charges, Curry was also charged with violation of his parole from a prior conviction. Prosecutors will bring Curry back to Illinois to face the murder and parole violation charges. All right. Well, hopefully he served some justice with this one. Mark, your face was amazing when you just said the last Illinois. It was awesome. You you did very well. It was like annoy. But <laughs> Illinois, we don't want to annoy anybody. Obviously. We appreciate all our crime creeps, even those ones from Illinois. Oh, Mark. <laughs> all right, guys, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Triple D, where Charity gets to put ours on the end of every other word and butcher them herself. Absolutely. All right, let's get it. All right. This one was sent to us. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Excellent. 37-year-old Jeff Gaylord turned himself into the Jacksonville Sheriff's Department for killing his imaginary friend, Mr. Happy. (laughs) He was quoted. (laughs) This is great. He was quoted as saying, his room was a mess all the time with his toys and dolls, he told police. He left his empty vodka bottles all over the kitchen, never picked up his empty cocaine baggies, and left the toilet seat down when he peed. The toilet seat would be the most upsetting to me. Yeah, yeah, Along with these empty cocaine baggies. No, whatever. You can just pick those up. (laughs) That's awesome. He went on to say, he messed up my apartment to the point where I just couldn't get it clean. Before he started doing drugs and acting weird, he was my BFF. We'd go dancing, play on the children's park equipment, both huge fans of doom metal, listen to it for hours with the lights off. Police said Gaylord was extremely intoxicated and threatened to kill them after they told him they could not give him the death penalty for his crime. They searched his house and found drug paraphernalia in a machine gun. Gaylord was booked on multiple charges. What do we think? I think this guy is awesome. Do you really? No. I don't want him anywhere near anybody I I know. I believe those empty drug baggies most likely were his. There is no proof that that is so, Charity. Come on now. So you're saying that he did indeed kill his imaginary friend? Charity, I am not a judge or a jury, so it's not up for me to say if he did or did not kill them. I mean, if he said he killed him. We got to take a man at his word. And I, sir, say you are a total dimwit. Oh, I think dimwit's a good one for him. Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah. Here's another one. Police in New York were called to a mini mart where they found Blake Leak, 23, trying to break in. They chased Leak through the streets until both cops took a tumble. Seizing the opportunity, Leak found refuge on the grounds of a large building. Do you know what that building was, Mark? I can only imagine. It was the Sing Sing Maximum Security Prison, where he was promptly nabbed by a guard. Oh my God, this guy's such a dipshit. Dipshit. Definitely a dipshit. Did he not know what that was? No, it was a large building, Mark. 
But he, I'm assuming he's from there. Mark, it was a large building. That's well, all he said. It was a good hiding spot. Hide and seek. You won't find me. I wonder if it had all the like, what are those things on the... It has to have the razor wire. Yeah, definitely. That's like a telltale to me. I mean, come on, guy. Yeah. Next. Next. All right, Mark. This one is titled, Watch Where You're Going. As two men waited in line at the coffee shop to pay their bill, a third cut in front of them. He threw a drink at the clerk and demanded all the money from the register. Temporarily surprised, the man quickly recovered and handcuffed the crook. Apparently, in his rush, the criminal didn't notice they were police officers in full uniform. Oh my God, what That's a douchebag. Yeah, a douchebag dimwit. Can we like push them together or a dimwitted douchebag? A douchewit. A douchewit. He, he's a douchewit. I just came up with a new word. He is a douchewit. Totally. You, sir, just inspired a whole new douche word. Perhaps if you ever get out and hear this, go ahead and send me an email, info at Case Watch Podcast, and I will send you a douche apple tree sticker just for yourself. Just, yes. Just for inspiring this new word. I, I love it. I love how it just came to you, Mark. It did, just right there off the tongue. Amazing. All right, before we get into the meat of today's episode, let's take a moment and thank one of our sponsors. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back. Charity, what do you have for us today? Well, Mark, I have a fella who has been nicknamed the Angel of Death. Oh, he doesn't sound like a nice fella. Some of his friends refer to him as Donnie, but his actual name is Donald Harvey. I would love to know more about the Angel of Death. Okay, here we go. Harvey was born April 15th, 1952 in Butler County, Ohio. He was the oldest of three siblings. It was said that although he didn't seem to have brain damage, Harvey's soft spot never closed. This was because his father dropped him on his head when oh. he was only six months old. He was apparently holding him and the father fell asleep. So it didn't sound like it was on purpose, right, So it wasn't malicious then, okay. No, it didn't sound like it. But the family was 
very poor and lived in the mountains. And from everything that I read, it seemed as though both Harvey's mother and father were very loving parents to the three children. So like I said, it sounds like it was definitely an accident. Although the parents were not loving to each other. They didn't have a great marital relationship at all. I mean, Harvey was sexually abused by his uncle whenever he would visit his grandmother. Oh boy. So this, you know, here we hear this, right? This gross things are starting to happen. Yeah. That could, I have something, I don't know. I assume his uncle lived there as well, which is why whenever he visited her, this was the experience that he got. Uh, it was also said that he was abused by a neighbor as well. And this neighbor was Dan Thomas. He would pay Harvey to perform sexual acts on him. Oh boy. This was going on when he was only four years old old. Oh, that is sickening. So many things going on here. Right? I'm sorry, the but families. four years old, how does this kid even know what payment is? That and it, it, th- these things were going on right underneath the, I'm not putting blame on the parents, but right underneath their nose. I mean, you're four years old. Yeah, that is sickening. So sickening. Harvey would receive a second head injury by falling off his, you know, delightful uncle's running board of his truck. Oh boy. So this is the same uncle that was molesting him. Uh, sounds like he should never have been in the care of his uncle no, at all whatsoever. At all. I wonder if these head injuries, Mark, would have anything to do with his future acts because I have read that head injuries during the formative years can change a person's brain, especially if it's in the frontal lobe. I've read on about um, on like different serial killers and stuff. It's fairly common. They had major brain trauma when they were younger. So, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Well, there's been many cases of people who are loving and caring individuals and they'll get into a car accident and have a traumatic brain injury and then they're never the same person again. Never the same. So I I think this would exactly work the same way. It has actually been shown that head injuries are more prevalent in serial killers, according to one study. And another study suggests that one in four serial killers have suffered from a head injury. I thought that was really interesting. That's a a very, very high stat. I was not expecting that me, much. Me neither. And I mean, I don't know who performed the study, but one study did say that. And that was very interesting. Harvey was actually extremely smart and he got great grades, but he did not want much to do with kids his own age. He would much rather spend his time with adults instead of playing with other children. People would refer to him as being antisocial. Again, we hear this a lot with these types of killers. We do. They kind of on their own. They don't really want to be around other people their it age. It kind of worries me because I'm fairly antisocial myself, but not in the serial killer kind of way. No. I mean, there's many people that are antisocial or just would rather be by themselves or just with a small group of people. It doesn't mean you're a serial killer. All right. So we, like I said before, we stayed a whole week in Detroit and I never left the hotel other than to work. I'd come back to the hotel, order room service, and I would watch Netflix on the TV. See, that sounds fantastic to me. I, I know, would be doing that too. It's <laughs> like I was you know, halfway across the country and I was doing what I would be doing in my normal living room. That's good though, right? You kept your normal schedule, Mark. I certainly did. I watched a lot more TV that week though. Oh, you watched more than just your two shows? I did because I was working during the daytime this week. So I would have all night. I'd come home and be like, I don't know what to do when it's that's right, know, dark out. That's I work right, nights. Because Mark normally works nights. So- because he liked to spend time with the adults, he was super well-liked by the teachers. But the students would tease and bully him, noticing he was different, causing further isolation from kids his own age. So he kind of like did it to himself without meaning to. The teachers loved it because he always wanted to hang out with the teachers and probably, I would assume, do whatever they asked. But the other kids were probably like, that's weird. All these cases just make me feel like I was a horrible human because I was just like this. I was a kid. I would pick on other kids when I was in school and I would get picked on. And it was just a, a circle that... That would basically repeat itself. And you don't realize until you get older how much this actually affects somebody. It's really true, though. When you look back, I mean, I think we can all 
say we've all made mistakes as children and have learned from them and hope we're better humans now. But it still goes on. Kids are still ruthless. You know, I am mid forties and I can remember things that were said to me when I was in like fifth or sixth grade that still bother me to this day. It stings. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. Things that, that happened to you as a child can definitely stick in there forever, you know? And I, I actually remember some of the people that said this stuff to me and I still hate them. Right. Because <laughs> it and, still bothers me. And they could be amazing humans. They probably could. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things that stick with you. They're right. These are your formative years and this decides who you are in life. Yeah. Harvey would go on to high school in 1968, but he would only finish the ninth grade. He would become tired of all the bullying and drop out. So that's kind of sad. I get it, though, because it's just time in your head just to move on. I quit high school when I was in 11th grade. Did you really? I did. I was like, enough of this, and I got a full-time job. I didn't know that about you. And then I went and got my GED, and you know, I've never once been asked my whole life for my high school diploma. Never. Nope. Nope. I've taken college classes. I've taken all this. Never had anybody ask me for anything other than where did you go to school? Really? Yeah. Huh. Nuts, man. Very interesting. He would work for a short time at a factory plant, but was laid off. He did take the correct steps during this time and would get his GED, which is funny because that's kind of what you just said. Around the time he was laid off from his job, he would get a call from his mother. His grandfather was dying and his mother asked for Harvey to keep him company in the hospital. This would be the Marymount Hospital in London, Kentucky. All the staff seemed to really like Harvey a lot and they all became super friendly. Unfortunately, this is where and when he would become absolutely fascinated with death. After coming and going frequently, Harvey was eventually offered a job as an orderly, and he accepted. Of course he did. Again, not good. He would stay at this job from May 1970 to March 1971. Some of his duties included giving patients their medications and making sure they didn't need anything medically or personally. It was said that he loved the power he felt having control over these helpless patients' lives. So he loved the fact that if he didn't give them their medicine at the right time or he didn't alert a doctor or a nurse of something, that they could actually die. He liked that. He felt powerful. This guy's on a power trip from heck. Oh, Definitely from heck. He's on a power trip from H-E double hockey sticks, guys. (laughs) I haven't heard that since I was in kindergarten. Yeah. So if he didn't make sure they got their medications, they could die. He loved that. It was noted that around this time, Harvey would begin a relationship with a man named James Peluso. He was also raped by a man named Randy White, one of his roommates. So he sounds like he had one of his first romantic relationships, which I guess is good. You know, as you're getting older, you want to start maybe not being alone so much. But then it sounds like he was taken advantage by this Randy guy in a not so happy way. So this probably did not help things at all. So now he's probably like extra angry because he was violated in such a way, probably fueling to his fire. I don't know, just speculation. So let's talk about the murders because there's many, many murders, Mark. Oh boy. Harvey's first victim was Logan Evans, an 88 year old stroke victim. So this just gives you a little glimpse of what a nice guy he is. You know, he's going to go after a stroke victim. May 31st, 1970, he would smother Logan with a pillow and place a plastic bag over his head while, listen to this, smearing feces all over the poor man's face. Ew. How horrible. First of all, it's like it's not bad enough you're suffocating the guy. You're going to have that be his last. The ultimate disrespect. The ultimate. Like, it's a horrible manner. And then you add this grossness to it. Ugh, ugh, that just I, that made me so angry when I read that. It's making and, me and, angry hearing it. And to have that much anger to do that to somebody. Yeah, that's pathetic. Like, that's disgusting. His next victim would be, quote unquote, accidental. 
Okay. Harvey would kill James Tyree because he was inept at his job. He would insert the wrong catheter into James. Instead of stopping the insertion, as soon as he realized his mistake, Harvey would decide to hold James down, basically impaling him until he would begin vomiting blood and die. Oh my God. Well, that one really is not an accident at that point after you realize you messed up and continued. Exactly. My thing is, okay, you, you put in the wrong catheter, so hello, fix it. Call somebody, call for help. And I don't understand if he's just an orderly. Why is he able- putting catheters into people? Yeah, I mean, like well, this was a while ago, but still, I, there had to be things in place, right? You would think. You would think. I don't know. One of the things this show has shown me, though, is there is no anything that works correctly. Not at all. So Harvey would say... That he also enjoyed, again, quote unquote, mercy killing. He's such a great guy. Yeah. He would say that he heard a 42-year-old Elizabeth Wyatt praying for God to take her life. He would also say that she asked him personally and pleaded with him to end her life. So he hmm. simply cut her oxygen cord mark so he, she wouldn't have air supply and would die. Who knows if any of this is true, though? Because we only have his account. We don't have her account because she's dead. Yeah, right. Horrible. During this time, Harvey would have a relationship with a man named Vernon Midden. It was said that Midden would introduce Harvey to the occult. Again, not good. We (laughs) hear a lot of the same stuff over and over. It's really surprising that none of this was ever that well known to me. And once you start doing these cases, you start seeing a lot of the similarities. Yeah, a lot of these people dabble in a lot of the same types of things. This seemed to interest him very much. Midden would also teach him how human bodies would react to certain things. Torture etc. This information, unfortunately, would only help Harvey with his murders. So they must have done experiments on each other to see how their bodies would act to pain. Uh, right? I, I don't even want to know. I, I don't either. I didn't, I didn't look into the, what kind of torture was going on because I really was like, oh, yeah, just come on, guys. The relationship wouldn't last and Harvey would become very depressed, having many thoughts of how he could torture and kill Midden. It is now March 1971 and it's been said that in the 10 months of working at the hospital, Harvey would have already killed at least a dozen people. Holy snakies. Oh my, this gets crazy. March 31st, 1971, a very drunk Harvey would be arrested for burglary. I said it. You did. I'm proud of you. I mean, it didn't sound totally normal, but I said it. (laughs) Yeah, you were pretty close. I'm getting better. Apparently, while being interrogated, he would babble. I can't can't say interrogated now. Apparently, while being interrogated, he would babble almost incoherently under his breath about the people he killed. These babbles were ignored as drunken stupidness. So he admitted to killing people to these officers. But think how many, how much crap these, that officers hear when people are completely drunk like that. Oh, they, they hear it all. And you, at some point, I'm assuming they just tune it right out. They don't even really understand what you're saying. Exactly. So because of that, Harvey would only be charged for petty theft, only having to pay a $50 fine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So here he was thinking he was telling everybody how evil he is. And they're like, ah, you were drunk. Just you know, you're good. 50 bucks. You're, you're out 50 here. Bucks. Although the judge would suggest psychiatric treatment for his troubled condition. Harvey would ignore that very helpful advice and go on to commit arson. This was an attempt to kill himself. He only had to pay again, another $50 fine for his crime as well. I huh. don't understand. This sounds very reminiscent of Dorothea. Yeah. I, I was getting that same thing where they just continue to slap you on the hands and send you away. Yeah. Until something really bad happens or they find something really bad out. Uh, It was at this time that Harvey would, instead of getting help for his mental state, he would enlist in the U.S. Air Force. Again, we have heard this before. Yeah, just what we want. Yep. Maybe this was his attempt to try and get himself back on track with life, Mark. 
guess what, guys? It didn't help him because after only 10 months, he was discharged. Shocker. Shocker. What is with him in 10 months? 10 months at the hospital, 10 months in the Air Force. I don't understand. He's afraid of commitment, Charity. He's a typical male. He can't go to the full 12. He can't, he can't get to the full year. Nope. Can't do it. Okay. This was in March of 1972. And the reason was said to be unspecific ground. I wonder what that means. Yeah, that's weird. That's very vague. That is. Unspecific That makes you really ground. wonder. Yeah. There was something or they wouldn't have discharged him. No. Harvey found himself back in Kentucky and things weren't going well for him emotionally. He was committed twice to the Veterans Administration Medical Center in Lexington. His mother would say that he had mental disorders. Probably easier to say that, I would think, than to try and explain his behavior. So I don't know what he was like doing, but his mother knew he was not well at all. He also tried to commit suicide on more than one occasion. While committed, along with other types of therapy, Harvey would receive 21 electroshock therapy treatments. Yikes. Yeah, that does not sound like fun. But... Mark, after all of this, he would be released from the VA with no improvement in his mental state at all. I would think this would just make him more angry and depressed that it didn't help, right? You, you, oh, it 100% didn't help. It just probably charged him up and gave him a little bit more ammunition to go out there and do more pain. Exactly. Able to hide his medical records, he was able to find a job as a part-time nurse's aide. Oh, boy. This would be at Cardinal Hill Hospital. He would work there between February and August of 1973. In June of the same year, he would get a second job at Good Samaritan Hospital and would work there until January 1974. Harvey would take on yet another job as a telephone operator in August of 1974. Then got a job as a clerk at St. Luke's Hospital in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. This would be until September 1975. Luckily for the patients of these hospitals, he was able to push his cravings to kill aside, but the thoughts were still there. So thank God, I mean, he had access. That's for sure. I don't know why at this time he was able to keep himself from hurting people. Yeah, it makes me wonder too. There's had to be some sort of trigger that I think affected him and he just was not feeling it. Yeah, it's really strange though. And he clearly was a hard worker, I guess. I mean, he had three jobs. It's two more than I want. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's three more than I want, I should say. <laughs> Harvey's urges were becoming too hard to ignore. For this reason, he decided he needed to move further from home. He would move to Cincinnati from September of 1975 to July of 1985, and he would work at Cincinnati VA Medical Center. He would hold a multitude of positions while there. He was a housekeeper, a nurse's aide, and a cardiac catheterization technician. Remember the last time, Mark, that he tried to help with a catheter? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want him anywhere near me no. with a catheter. I don't want him anywhere near me, period. Agreed. He would also work as an autopsy assistant and was known to steal tissue samples and bring them home. Ew. Quote, unquote, for study. Ew, is right. That is disgusting. Harvey was soon back to his own self, and it's known that he killed at least 15 patients during this time. That is nuts. Nuts. Hey, Mark, uh, I think we should take a break and hear from our sponsors. All right. Sounds like a good idea. All right, Charity, we are back. I want to know more about this guy. It's crazy. He would use the same techniques as before because, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Just keep going on killing people. It was said that he once joked with the nurses after a patient's death saying, quote, I got rid of that one for you, end quote. How disgusting. Yeah, that is gross. And I wonder if, I mean, I wonder why the nurses didn't like report him. 
Well, people talk crap all the time. Who oh, knows if he was true. even being serious? Maybe, maybe like they thought, obviously they thought he was joking. Afterwards, they were probably like, oh crap, he was telling the truth. Yeah, just like with the police officers where he was telling them and they just kind of moved on. His antics would work their way out of the hospital as well. Guess he gained some confidence since no one was catching on yet. He tried to kill his boyfriend, Doug Hill, with arsenic. So he he goes back to the same things. Remember, he tried to kill himself with arsenic. And he became so angry after an argument with one of his neighbors, Diane Alexander. He would lace her drink with hepatitis serum. Oh, wow. What a special fella. My God. This would almost kill her before the doctors were able to find the infection and treat it. So thank God they figured out what it was. Poor woman. Yeah, right. You get into an argument with a neighbor over like a tree and before you know it, you're almost dead. Yeah, this is awesome. This guy's not playing fair. No. Moving on to July 18th, 1985, Harvey was seen by hospital security leaving work carrying a suspicious looking bag. The bag was searched by security guards and this is what was found. Would you like to know? I think I have to know. A pistol. Okay. Hypodermic needles. Mm -hmm. Surgical scissors and gloves. Mm. A cocaine spoon. Wait, what? Mark, you got to bring your cocaine spoon. <laughs> to work, I know, right? I mean, wh- how else are you going to do your cocaine when you're at work? Two books about the occult and a biography about Charles Sobraj. Guys, I'm going to cover this guy, I think, because I read a little bit in Yowzers. It sounds like Harvey wanted to try and learn some things. Let's just say that. All right. So, Cherry, is it interesting or is it interesting? It's interesting. Oh, now I got to check this out sometime. Yeah. Harvey was forced to resign from his job. He was cited for bringing a weapon into the VA by the federal offices. Hey, Mark, you want to guess what his punishment was? I'm going to go out on a limb and say... 50 bucks. Yeah. Cause they really wanted to teach him a lesson. Yeah. He had to pay another 50 bucks. So he's out right now. He's out what, what? 150. Yeah, he's only at $150 total here. That's pretty sweet. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. This murderer is just walking around free as a bird with no consequences. Even worse, just seven months after this gun incident, Harvey was hired yet again in another hospital as a part-time nurse's aide in working his way up to full-time position. Didn't anyone call references back then from former workplaces? I don't think they did. They obviously did not. This this is nuts. But it's in a hospital. We're in the 80s now. They had to have checked references back in the 80s. We have have phones, people, now. Come on. Exactly. You just call and say, hey, oh, he was let go or resigned because he had a gun incident. I mean. I mean, how many people died in your ward since he was there? Oh, that's horrible. They're not dying at as fast of a rate anymore? Horrible. Nuts. This position would be at Drake Memorial Hospital in Cincinnati. While at this establishment, he would murder 23 more patients. Holy crap. 23. That is horrific. Yeah. He would shut off life support, inject them with arsenic. He really loves that arsenic. Yep. Cyanide and cleaners. Ew. Oh, this sounds like the butcher. Remember, he was injecting people with cleaners and stuff. I hate that. Like, we have people to reference to. I know, right? I know. At this time... Harvey had a partner named Carl Howler. The two lived together and Harvey thought it was fun to practice poisoning Carl after they would get into arguments. Don't worry though, he would be sure to nurse him back to health, keeping him from death. What a nice guy. Yeah, he's a great neighbor and lover apparently. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Scumbag. Isn't that awesome? So, I mean, he didn't let him die, Mark. So, I mean, what's the big deal? No harm, no foul, right? No, I, I would say harm and foul if this was happening to me. Carl's poor parents were even poisoned by this crazy person. His father would survive, but his mother would actually die. Oh, boy. So he poisoned his boyfriend's parents to the point where one of them died. 
And obviously they didn't know they were being poisoned. This is asinine to me. John Powell was a gentleman under Harvey's care at Drake Memorial Hospital. There were lethal doses of cyanide found in the man's dead body during the autopsy. For this reason, on March 7th, 1987, John's death was ruled a murder. Thank God. Oh, finally, just 87,000 murders later. Seriously. Harvey was arrested on April 6th, 1987 and charged with the murder. He immediately entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. Of course he did. His bail was set for $200,000. That's quite a bit back then. It is. And I'm, I'm glad. So let's fast forward to August 11th. By this time, Harvey had already confessed to a total of 33 murders. Oh my God. Due to this development, bond was revoked and new charges were filed. I guess Harvey's murder numbers would keep increasing and decreasing the more they talked, Mark. So like he would tell them, oh yeah, I killed this many and then say, oh no, no, no. I'm just joking, just joking. I'm just, I'm totally just joking. This would bring his mental state into question though. Funny that this was the thing that did it. I know, right? You can't (laughs) add up. You're psychotic. I found that to be so interesting. Harvey would have many psychiatric evaluations and many experts brought in to analyze his mental state. Here's what a spokesman for the Cincinnati prosecutor's office had to say. This man is sane, competent, but is a compulsive killer. He builds up tension in his body, so he kills people. Harvey would later say that the poisoning of friends, etc., out of work were out of spite. But he insisted that the killings at work were mercy killings. Guess this was him trying to make himself seem less evil. Okay, so you're okay with killing and poisoning your friends out of spite, Okay, yeah. But you kind of have a guilty conscience about the people you killed at the hospital, so you're going to say you did it out of mercy. Okay, so I'd like to know what part of mercy was smothering an old guy with a pillow and then wiping feces on him was. Or basically sticking a catheter up somebody until they die. Yeah, these aren't mercy. These are totally scumbag thought out plans. I agree 100%. Harvey would plead guilty in Cincinnati on August 18th, 1987. He'd be convicted on 24 counts of aggravated murder, four counts of attempted murder, and one count of felonious assault. Four days later, there was a 25th guilty plea. Harvey would end up with four life sentences. He would have to serve 80 years before he would be eligible for parole. And on top of that, the court would stick $275,000 in fines, knowing they would never see any of the money. It was kind of just like sticking it to them. You know, like we know we're not going to get any money from you, but this is going to make it really hard for you to ever do anything in your future. Yeah, you can't get out till it's paid. Exactly. And Mark, this was just in Cincinnati. Now we have to move on to Kentucky. Remember oh, I forgot murders? about that. I know. This guy was truly a monster. On September 7th, 1987, in Kentucky, Harvey would confess to a dozen more murders. Think of the numbers this is getting up to now. Oh, yeah. This would get him another eight life sentences plus an extra 20 years. These people clearly meant business. They didn't want him to have any chance of coming out whatsoever. Thank God. Thank God. Back to Cincinnati, Harvey would just keep tacking on more guilty pleas for himself. Makes me wonder if he's making up some at this point just to get more notoriety. That's kind of what I thought too when I was reading it. There'd be actually three more guilty pleas and three more attempted murders. It's almost like he was proud of what he did and wanted everyone to see, which is what you're kind of saying. Like yeah. he, he felt proud to say, I killed this many people. And he already knows that he's not getting out ever. So let me make myself the most infamous killer of all times. Yeah. And because of these pleas, there would be three more life sentences added. This is kind of what we were talking about in like previous episodes. I know the extra life sentences are just redundant at this point, but it, it must help a little for the families of the victims that have to have closure, you know? 
I've given a lot of thought to that after our last discussion and put myself in the shoes of one of the family members. And yeah, I absolutely would want my closure as well. I get it. I 100% get it. I did say it was redundant before, but now it's just like one of those, if that was my family member, I would want to feel that individual justice for my family member as well. That's how I feel too. Cause you want their name out there and say that that person absolutely unequivocally murdered my family member and they need to pay for it. Agreed. Here's a little lovely factoid. Oh, a factoid. A factoid. Harvey has a total of 37 murders committed and has confessed to almost murdering triple that number. Oh my God. Some say he may be the American serial killer with the most kills. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody that would have more kills than that. That's absolutely unbelievable that there's even that many. You would think that, but I have been researching some other serial killers and it's pretty scary. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I see. I had also, there was a question that had recently come up that I had saw on Reddit and it just so interests me. It's like, what is going on right now with the state of serial killers? Are they still out there? Are they still working? Are they more technology based where you're not finding it out as much now? Like it really makes me wonder. It's a good question. I actually want to talk about, this is something I want us to discuss and read up about for secret lies and alibis. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, because I really do think it's a good question. It's definitely a lot harder to be a criminal now. Oh, 100%. Hence the stupid criminals, the triple Ds. That's why there's so many of them. Oh, yeah, I agree. But some of those are just idiots. They would have been idiots in whether it was the 60s, 70s, or 80s. True, but think about it. Everyone has a cell phone. We've said this before. Everyone has a cell phone that can take a picture or record. And there's cameras everywhere you go. It's, It's a lot more difficult. The idiots that actually record themselves doing crimes, those are the ones that I will just never understand. Although we have the Israel keys. Yeah. I mean, he, he was able to get away with it, not for a super long time, but he was. He probably could have got away with it longer if he didn't make some stupid moves. I bet he would have definitely killed a lot more people if he, it was way back in the day. I oh, totally I agree. feel that way. Mark, this is what good old Donnie had to say about his first kill. The next thing I knew, I'd smothered him. It was like it was the last straw. I just lost it. I went in to help the man and he wants to rub that in my face. What a scumbag. He was blaming the poor dude. Harvey would lose his life March 30th, 2017 while incarcerated. The cause of death was blunt force to the head. He was attacked by another inmate. This inmate was James Elliott. The 44-year-old was serving time for burglaries. Elliott was indicted almost two years after the attack took place. The charges were aggravated murder, felonious assault, possession of a deadly weapon, and tampering with evidence. Elliot has actually written letters to the Blade newspaper in Toledo saying that he punched and stomped Harvey in his cell. He said he grew up in Kentucky near some relatives of Harvey's victims. This was reported by the newspaper. He clearly wants everyone to know that this was not a mercy killing. Yeah, he took out the trash. Yep. Like I said before, all murders are bad and there's just some that I I just don't mind as much. And this just happens to be one of them. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. All right, guys. Well, that about wraps it up for today's episode. Go ahead and make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook and Instagram. We're at Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod, text and voicemail line, which we don't say this enough. No. 603-212-4600. Guys, you know what our voices sound like? We would love to hear what your voices sound like. Yeah. Pose a good question. Have a good thought. Send it in to us. We'll read it on the air. If it's a voicemail, we'll actually play you on the air. With that being said, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.